so 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 can so can I, who knows how to pronounce that? The Lost Caverns of So So. It's the TS there. You got to make sure you get that tongue up there. So So can. So you can hear I even have trouble saying it. It's hard. I can't. I can barely speak to begin with. this is the big august 20th podcast uh, I'm, I'm feeling good this is the third one i'm getting out in the month and it's big month for me for podcasting because this upcoming tuesday night i will be interviewing a really famous famous guest and i am so excited and i i even rallied some help to help me with the interview so it won't just be me asking the questions. And I won't say more. I want to leave this one up in the air and surprise you with a big splash when I when I release it later in the week. I got a million calls. Not really. I have maybe 10 calls or 12 calls that I need to air. So we'll be pulling a session of the emergency podcasting system before the end of August. So get your calls in if you want to get them into that episode. Uh, tell me how awful I am. Tell me how great I am. Or tell me, you know, I'm boring or not boring. The intro, the beginning of the the hot take or whatever you call that, uh, the cold the cold opening is what you call that. Well, it proves, proves once and for all that I cannot speak the English language and pronounce words. So uh, uh, just in case you were wondering, listening to my many, many episodes, it's true. It's true. I cannot say words uh, and I don't know why. Uh, maybe my, well, anyway, I, I have, I could speculate, but I could not say that word. That's for sure. So uh, it's also going to be a great month of podcasting uh, for me because I'll be doing my review of the last episode of Better Call Saul, 
besides the special guest. And also, I, I don't want to, I would be remiss not to mention that I will be appearing in a special episode of Nerds RPG Variety Cast by the other Jason. And he, we set that up. I'll be doing that inter, I'll be doing that discussion with him on the movies of 1982 tomorrow morning. I don't know when he's going to air it. That's up to him. I have no control over that, but I'm sure he'll air it sometime in the in the upcoming week. So I'm really excited for that. And then, like I said, Tuesday night, I have the most famous guest of all going to appear on my show. So it's just uh, August is just uh, where, where the show kind of hit the the uh, the downtrend in, in May and and June and a little bit in July because of all the other stuff going on with my real life. And, and last night and Friday night, Greyhawk, we were even discussing, I'm going to be drafting a letter to AOC, and I'm not going to say who AOC is. You all know, you all know, uh, you all know the thing, the her, the she, you know who she is. She's the most famous uh, representative in, in the history of the world, quite frankly, and she, uh, um, you know, she's very much in favor of helping the downtrodden, particularly those people who make over $175,000 a year and want their remaining student loans paid off. She's a huge advocate for those kinds of people. We're going to write her a letter. And we're going to, I want as many people in the Anchorosphere, Podcastosphere, the old OSR, new school, old school, Star Frontiers, Boot Hill, uh, Cthulhu people. I want us all to sign, to be signatories to this letter, demanding, demanding that the federal government subsidize, and I'm pounding on the table like a gavel. Hear ye, hear ye. We now demand quiet. We now demand that the federal government subsidize role play, role playing game gamers from here on out, because that's the problem with with doing our podcasts and playing our games. It's 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 not that we don't have the motivation. It's not that we don't have the desire, the will to win. We we want to do it. We want to play all the time, but we got to work. Darn it. We got to get up and we got to go to work and make money and. Some of us have to do things for our wives and uh, or our husbands. And it's just getting – I'm going to see – we're going to send this letter to good old AOC. And I, you know, I am the admiral uh, eminence honorable of, of the District of Columbia. Maybe I could arrange a meeting with her. Um, maybe a date, actually. Uh, but anyway – I digress. So uh, the rest of the show's good. The show's good. I, I finished my review of Dave, Con- Dave Con. You heard in the cold opening, I can't pronounce the name of a module. Uh, I did manage to spit it out once really well. So you'll notice kind of a blip in the in the recording where I, I do, I one time, the only time in my life I was able to pronounce the name of that module properly and i have it recorded so that's great so it's on record then uh i start the show though with another reading from monday night ad and d it's that's that's a great game that's a fantastic game they got me pumped up last monday night we had a really great session but the reading comes from two years ago and from another great session from that game a game just strewn with great sessions we've had some bad sessions but we've had mostly great sessions. I mean, well, it's been going on for uh, two and a half years now, so I guess it's a pretty good game. So with that, no conclusions. Enjoy the music, the the music, the soft, silky, 
sounds of jazz reverb. I'm featuring some of the music he recorded in his five weeks at Boston uh, this summer. So I hope you enjoy those. And don't forget to explore the many worlds in your minds. And now another reading from Monday Night AD&D. I'm going to take you back to a few adventures after the party made it past that water weird in B7, Rahazia, and they met Alki Halak. Uh, and then uh, later on, Frederick, the lawful good cleric, met his demise at the four arms of the bone golem. Well, the party adventured on for a little bit. And then eventually had to hoof a retreat out of the temple back to Kota Hutan. And here's that session and the aftermath of that and their return visit back into the temple. Uh, at this point, Frederick was not their only casualty. Several others, a few NPCs actually, had met their maker. So here we go with that reading. This is one of my favorite sessions of the game. Uh, and this session happened in August of 2020, so two years ago. The adventurers made it back to Kota Hutan, hoping to find peace, but the small, poor elven village was abuzz. Rahazia had been kidnapped. Her mother's despair was matched or exceeded by Hassan's, who had to receive a powerful drug to calm down enough to sleep. The next morning, Rahazia's mother took Felgar's hand and made him swear he'd find her daughter. She gave them the decanter with the remainder of the very old healing potion. The party set out just before high noon on a cloudy, dry day. They made it to the roadside temple, inducing Hassan to crack some more. The poor man's heart was torn up. They managed to calm, calm him down, and then Felgar boldly tread through the portal to the receiving room in the second sublevel of the temple, out of harm of the terrible bone golem. After the party assembled with him in the room, they set out to the eastern part of the level, which they had yet to explore. The Rahib must be this way, Drogo skillfully unlocked two doors leading the party into some sort of workroom. On a table, there were many, many papers strewn about, among which included a diagram of Kota Hutan and, more disturbingly, three sketches of the three missing elven maidens. Hassan broke down again. Drogo was seriously considering storing a dagger in his spine. Noldo, however, was able to calm him by reminding Hassan that he was humiliating elven kind in front of two humans and a hobbit. The group searched and Noldo found a secret door and a mechanism in a small alcove, and Drogo did not find any traps. So they opened it and in went in, and in the most shocking mom moment of the campaign to date, and there have been several, they saw their three dead companions, Frederick, Hogni, and Liotor, were guarding the room beyond with the dead panther, Cricket. The four zombies turned on Naldo, who immediately shut the door and told the group, they've got zombies of our companions. The group decided to douse the ground in front of the door with oil and light it before reopening the portal in hopes the zombies would wander on it and burn up. But the fire only prevented the zombies from stepping through. Damn, we should have let them step through next time and then lit the oil. Carl put that into his iPhone to keep notes. 
But no matter, the fire made a nice shield, allowing the party to fling missiles at the zombies. The panther zombie got sick of serving as a pincushion and had had enough and had enough strength left in its feline muscles to leap over the dying fire and gash Alki. But the party immediately killed it. Alki then sent Frederick Z, Frederick the zombie, to his final demise, and the rest of the party mopped up Hogni Z and Lotor Z. Felgar now really distressed by this evil. Uh, broke down and demanded they just torch the whole place. But as always, the party brought him back to his senses. Inside the bedroom beyond the secret doorway, the party ransacked a bed, searched a carpet, found a secret door in the alcove, but for the life of them could not find the mechanism to open it. Taking a lot of time to ransack this room made a lot of sense. Um, but three cobras wandered in and felled Felgar and Hassan, who both reacted the same way as they fell. Oh, the pain. Suck it out. Suck it out. Carl got lucky and was not bitten, and Drogo, the first of the party to gain his senses after thinking about helping Felgar, decided to help his friend. He steered the cobra away from him. Noldo moved next, and con concertedly the two saved Carl, who, after recovering from the shock of the three snakes' appearance, leapt onto the bed. Next, the typical mop-up job ensued. Finally, the party found the secret door on the north wall near the western corner. They entered a library and found a key ring with every key to the temple. But they were no closer to finding entrance to the Tower of Elias, where surely the Rahib, and maybe Rahazia, were. So Alki got his original way, and they went to the snake. Hassan, recovered now, showed off the pendant and the snake smiled in a snaky way. He said, you have a powerful ally, which caused Noldo to look all about the room saying, who, who, where is this ally? Before realizing it was a metaphorical statement. The snake let them pass into the passageway, which opened into the room storing Rahazia's treasure. Drogo was in love. Felgor, Felgar, who also recovered from the snake bite, was like, let's bag it, Hobbit, and get the heck back to the keep. But Alki and Olda once again shamed the blue cloak into sticking to his promise. They motioned to take some of the treasure with them, a potion, a snake staff, and a magic sword, and Drogo managed to pick up a bunch of coin, which prompted an argument with Hassan. Finally, he agreed some of the items would be useful. While the snake said that the treasure beyond was indeed Rahazia's, the group challenged Hassan about it, but he said it was clearly hers, as the two platinum birds were the symbolic birds of Kotahutan. They then explored the metal door to the southeast, east, which Drogo picked, providing the party a moment of much-needed levity as they watched the keys dangling at his waist. But hey, he's a thief and likes to do things the hard way. Up the steps, he found an unlocked and unlocked with the second, with, with the key this time, a second metal door. Beyond, they saw the blood-streaked steps and walls where Frederick died two days before. Noldo immediately noted a secret door on the north wall prior to trying the metal door, so the party checked it for traps and went through. A long descending passage opened up to the first level of Elias's buried tower. There was a passageway directly across this rubble-filled room and double doors on the north wall. Alki and Noldo forced the stuck doors open so that they could pass through one at a time. Then Noldo, Alki, and Drogo proceeded up a ten-foot-wide hallway to the to the edge of the lantern light. 
There, two men approached and told them they were grateful the group opened the doors to the south. They had followed the Rahib into the area, but were terrified and wanted to get out. Drogo tried to pickpocket one of them, but was too clumsy. The man grabbed his hand and, in a, langu in a language Noldo and Alki could not understand, told Drogo if he did it again, he'd slice his throat. Alki, seeing the man grab Drogo's uh, reaching hand, asked him to release him, which he did. Drogo, Drogo, uh, oh boy, I lost my place. Drogo turned and wandered back to the humans and Hassan and ratted out his fellow thieves. Alki and Noldo bantered with them a little longer and then told them they could go. Hassan now, now did not want to let them just walk out, so blocked the doorway. This led to more arguing between the party and the men and more time just standing in the same place. Finally, Noldo audibled, Carl, lantern out. Hearing this, the men immediately attacked Hassan, both missing as the light was hooded. The party killed one of the men, and the other fell to his knees, begging for mercy. They tied him up, shut the doors, and then interrogated him even more. In looting the dead man and the captive, Carl naturally declared that he was most qualified to taste the sour wine, so he took the wine, tasted it, concurred that it was really sour, and double-checked the fancy label. Drogo was gleeful when the one's backpack proved to weigh about 40 pounds. The interrogation proved that there really wasn't much the guy could tell them, as it became clear, they really were thieves who got entry into the temple, got past the bone golem somehow, and followed the Rahib into the temple. Finally, he told them they were surely to die if they continued down to the tower. And that was it for that session. So the, the party had made a lot of progress. They fought off zombies of, of fallen co comrades and a panther that they had killed themselves. Uh, and then they found the treasure that belonged to... Rahazia and her father, and would, would go to Hassan, who was betrothed to Hassan, uh, Rahazia. And, uh, and then they made their way to a passageway to get into the Tower of Elias. And uh, this set up the, the grand finale. We were able to finish this module in the next couple of sessions after playing it most of the summer. So it's a great module. It really is. It's a basic edition module, B7. And if you don't know it, if you've never run it, I'm going to continue uh, with one or two more session descriptions from this period of time. But um, you should get it, and you should run it. It's a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoyed another reading from Monday Night AD&D. So now for the continuation and the final episode, uh, segment where I review DaveCon. In the first segment, I went over day one. And what a day it was. Who, who could beat starting off a day at 10 in the morning with Braunstein with David Wesley and then ending the day at four, starting at 4 uh, by playing AD&D first edition with Ernie Gygax. So day one was a, a unmitigated success, in my opinion. I had a blast. Day two, I got out early, I believe. I went for a walk. I went down the street and stretched my legs, even though it was still cold, as I explained in uh, my the first part of this review back in June. Yet I did brave the weather, and I, I found, a, um, I believe I went to a Trader Joe's or something, or an Aldi or something, and I bought some snacks. Uh, 
So I returned to the hotel just in time for my 10 a.m. session of Richto Finn's War. And that was brought to uh, the con, Dave Con, by uh, this fellow named Tim Moore. And it's been a long time since I've played a game like this. If you're not familiar, Rick Defends War. It's the Red Baron Flies Again. Fly a Fokker DR1 or a Sopwith Camel. The same airplanes that blazed a path of glory over the skies of France during World War I. Attempt to outmaneuver your opponents and make up a victory on the way to becoming an ace. And I had a blast playing this game. I think we, we played a few times. And... Uh, uh, Tim Moore even brought props. I don't. I don't know if the props originally came with the game or not. But we had li little leather caps and, and uh, you know, like cloth or or puffy goggles that we wore too. I'll I'll post a picture of that one for this episode's photo, replacing my standard um, really boring photo or picture. So that was a fun time. I'm really happy I signed up for that one. The next one I played, I signed up for something called Puppet Masters by uh, the hosted by these these fellas from the area and, and a young lady, and um, I, I won't say who they are, but I I didn't realize that they were testing a new game, and it was it was a very complicated card game, and I hung in there for the whole time. It was rather long, um, but. Um, it's a little long for me, really. It started at 12, went for four hours, but I don't even think we made it the whole four hours. I wasn't that impressed with the game. Uh, I think others playing it did like it. So that's enough said. I don't want to be negative. Uh, and then I had a, an evening session with Tim Kask. Now, he's a, a luminary of the TSR D&D world. Uh, he's on Facebook, and he gets around to a lot of cons, so I won't waste a lot of time on that. I'm sure he's friends with the Grog Nation as well, maybe, perhaps. And we played his Wheel of Blame game. And this was great because uh, Lawrence, my uh, friend who's in my Monday Night AD&D game, interviewed him very very first or second episode of my podcast he was at this con also uh and he played a dnd 1e with uh ernie gygax with me on friday night and then we reunited to play this game with tim cask and there were some others from the uh friday night game there as well playing so it was a really great time and the way uh tim runs this game is he asks everyone at the table to write three ideas down on cards uh, then he collects the cards, and then uh, he starts describing a scenario. And in this scenario, which he's making up on the fly, it's it's incredibly impressive. Uh, he incorporates all the ideas, the three words by each of the player uh, that were written down. So per player, too. And it was a table, uh, I think we had about six people at the table. So that's 18 ideas he had to incorporate into this game. And another feature of this game is Tim makes you roll for everything. Everything is rolled by you, and he tells you what the results are. And that is really why he calls it the, the Wheel of Blame. You, The players are to blame for the ideas, and they're also to blame for the roles. And again, I don't want to get into a lot of detail because you have to experience these things. Me telling you about it's not going to help. I can tell you this was incredibly inventive and imaginative, imaginative 
and I thoroughly enjoyed myself. After uh, the Tim Cast game, I, I grew a little jealous that the Ernie Gygax game was going on strong. It was much larger than the Friday night, and he seemed way more energized. I think he was a little tired on Friday night, and I secretly uh, wished I had signed up for Saturday night AD&D with Ernie Gygax. Uh, but, but anyway, we, we watched that for a while. And then uh, finally, um, someone at the con... Uh, who was the son of the person I would be playing with on Sunday. I forget his name, something Zierden. His father's Mark Zierden, and he ran S4 on Sunday. Well, he asked if we wanted to play some 5e. And as you all know from my podcast, I've never played 5e. And I'm going to stop this segment and get back and record the rest of the segment in a second. Okay. So to wrap it up, wrap up DaveCon Saturday night, I played with the younger Zierden, uh, with uh, Lawrence and a few others. We played uh, AD&D 5A, and, you know, I had a great time. There's nothing wrong with 5A. It's enjoyable. Had I never played D&D back in the 80s, I would probably just be playing 5A and be perfectly fine with it. Um, it's not for me. Knowing the 1E game, I prefer the 1E game, and this is about reviewing DaveCon, not 5E, and it's not a comparison with 1E, so I'm going to move on and just let those comments stand for themselves. I think most of you listening to my podcast understand what I'm saying and agree with me, too. So then Sunday comes, and, um, you know, it's, it's starting to get a little sad because you're you know it's going to end. But before I get to Sunday, there was one thing on the schedule for Saturday, which I forgot about. There was the auction. And Vic Dorso, who runs Dave Khan, and I mentioned him in the first part of the review, uh, he held an auction for charity, and it was really fun. And lots of great memor- memorabilia and, and uh, old school items were put up for auction. And I did uh, bid on a few things. I got a 3D printed... Uh, uh, demon or whatever it is, the the same one that's on on the cover of the original, uh, I think, Player's Handbook. Uh, I think Vic had them printed out, so I bid on and won one of those. And I also bid on and won a copy of Flipping and Turning. So I was happy to participate in the auction. There were a lot of other things I would have bid on, but I knew I was really pushing my budget for Dungeons and Dragons this year, so I, I restrained myself. Uh, then on Sunday, I had one game planned because I, I had to get to the airport uh, around one o'clock, so I played and marked Azirdin's uh, S Four: The Lost Caverns of Judge Kant. So uh, that was fun. Uh, Mark's a great DM. That's all I got to say. I mean, we we really played. Uh, uh, we had minis, and we used a one-inch square grid. Uh, and uh, the team we played with was pretty cooperative. And we made it pretty far through the adventure. Obviously, you're not going to finish a module like that in, a, in a, I don't know, six hours or four hours, however long we played. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And... That, that was it. I got a ride from somebody, one of Vic's friends. I, I'm not going to name his name. I have his business card. He gave me a ride to the airport, which was fantastic because I am super cheap. I think I gave him money, too. I think I gave him like 10 or 20 bucks as a thank you, um, even though I don't think he expected it. 
And uh, I flew home and the airport was empty. I think still a holdover of the pandemic. And so that was it. That was my experience at, at DaveCon 2022, uh, my first uh, gaming convention ever in my entire life. And I'm signed up to go to GrogCon in Orlando, which is at the end of September, uh, last weekend slash first weekend, last weekend of uh, September slash first weekend of October. I hope to see some of you there, uh, some of my listeners there, and um, I'm even running a game there. So go to the Grog Grog Talk GrogCon websites and sign up and, and you can find me. My game might have already sold out. But I'm really looking forward for my second ever convention. And I hope you enjoyed these reviews.